following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. 886th episode of the show. I'm your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined today by the lovely, the talented, and the scholarly, Brittany Page. So, a little housekeeping item to, I was going to say, get out of the way. I guess that works. Is the giveaway, the book giveaway that, yes. that we did for Robert P. Jones, the interview of his new book, about white supremacy and the winner was tyler h we selected a winner from the comments of your youtube video of that interview and so the care package of a gift and some stickers and a button (laughs) uh are on the way to tyler h so there was a little bit of back and forth trying to get an address youtube doesn't make it easy you know so uh we did finally get it settled we've got an address we're sending that off, and it's going to be amazing for Tyler. Yeah. I mean, it's a free book. I I, I love free books. And it's a free great book. Yes. It's yeah. a very, very important book. Yeah, without a doubt. And I want to talk about an email that we got from a listener before we get into what may be the most hateful voicemail we've ever received. Although, I don't know. It's a pretty, it's a pretty big competition. We'll get to that. Well, let's tease it. It's from someone who's called many times and identified, self-identified as a fan or a supporter of the little Nazi puke, Nick Fuentes. Oh, I thought you were going to say a fan <laughs> and supporter of us. Oh, no. <laughs> Most certainly not. Okay, yeah. So I do want to talk about an email we got from someone who doesn't hate us and wish we were dead. And that <laughs> is uh, Cynthia sent us a message about a... Washington Post article, Washington is full of rats. These dogs are happy to help with that. And for some reason, there's been a few of these articles going around where dogs are used to hunt rats in Washington, D.C. And the question specifically here was, will Sweepy be joining the hunt? And (laughs) no. No, she will not. No, she will not. Is, Is this the article that I've seen the photos from with like frothing bloody dog mouths yeah. where they're tearing apart rats in the streets. Yes. Yeah, that Sweepy's not going to I don't want any I'm not going to be kissing that dog mouth <laughs> if it's been covered in rat blood. Yeah, well I I don't know what they do to get these dogs clean after they go rat hunting because yeah. they put them into the dumpsters to go after the rats. <laughs> and they come out with rats that are bleeding, obviously they're they're being killed. Yeah, they're killing the rats. And so, I don't know, do they, like, sleep in bed with these dogs when they get home? We're just in the dumpster in Washington, D.C. with the rats. You know, growing up in primarily very rural communities, exceedingly rural communities, um, I can tell you that I grew up around a bunch of people who just treated their dogs like tools. Hmm. You you want to take care of a wrench or a a saw that you have, and you want to put it in an, in an area that it's not going to rust and you want to take care of it but it is a tool Mm -hmm. so i think maybe some of these people although these are city dwellers these these people Mm -hmm. i've never called someone who lives in the city a city dweller (laughs) but um you would think that they would share at least a a living room with their dog yeah like they're not an outside dog yeah it's not like a, a dog that's like tied to a stake until you bring out the 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 snow sled yeah. The Iditarod sled, and then strap them to it, and then rawr, 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 they take off. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I grew up white trash, obviously, and so our dogs were outside dogs. It was kind of foreign to have an animal in the house. It was also when the dog got sick, the dog died. Like, taking the dog to a veterinarian was, right. that's not... Yeah, I, I don't think we've ever, growing up, I don't think we ever brought a dog that we had. In fact, we had many dogs that just disappeared Mm. And then we were told we we were never told the fanciful story about going off to a farm because we lived in a rural area that we were the farm that the dog would go to. Yeah, and uh, they would just 
oh, maybe it got eaten by a wolf or, you know, bear or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I wonder about these city people and their dogs and what exactly is going on. Do they just live in filth? I mean, I don't know. Do so, they just live in a, in a rat carcass house? Yeah, these are all of the questions that <laughs> lead us to say no, that Sweepy will not be joining the hunt. And even though she's vaccinated against the rat disease, leptospiriosis, I think is what it's called. Maybe. That sounds like a Harry Potter spell. <laughs> it might be. <laughs> and even though she has that vaccine, I still, it just, she can't. I don't. She can't. No she can't hang. That's not something that she's going right. to be doing. I also think she'd be a little afraid. I don't think she'd be as cool as those other dogs. We should try to get one of those people on the show and just t- talk to him about <laughs> get all these questions answered. Yeah, because it's. I mean, it's an interesting thing, and I don't have a bunch of oh the rats. Oh, what are we going to do? I, you know, I, I, they're living creatures, and we should you know do what we can. It's hard for me to even get the sentence out, but you know. Yeah, they're not helping the rat problem. It's not like they're killing so many rats that they're diminishing the supply of vermin in the city. Yeah, well, and if you are interested in more rat discussion, we did have noted rodentologist Bobby Corrigan, who's like a world-renowned expert, mm-hmm. who's invited on all shows and podcasts all the time. Bobby Corrigan was on the podcast maybe a year ago. And so you can definitely seek out that interview if you're interested yeah, in yeah, yeah. rat things. We will put a link in the description and the show notes since this will be both on YouTube and uh, an audio, regular, traditional podcast. Yes. So before we get to the <laughs> voicemail that we have teased a bit, we are going to thank our Patreon supporters. Yes. We got new Patreon supporters. So thank you to Skugs, 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 Skugs. One of those. <laughs> uh, Ernstein. Ernstein. PW. PW. Mike B. Mike B. Melody B. Melody B. Kim M. Kim M. Barbara B. Barbara B. Farm Girl. Farm Girl. And a Zagsloth. A Zagsloths. Yes, a Zagsloth. All Thank right. you very much for <laughs> becoming Patreon supporters. Again, if I. Did not pronounce your name correctly. Feel free to write us and shame me. And or if we didn't use your preferred pronunciation of whatever nickname you're using there. Write in and shame me. That's right. what. <laughs> so uh, thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. We could not do this without you. And the benefits of being a Patreon supporter, of course, the ad-free episodes. And you can use the RSS feed link to paste into your podcatcher, or you can listen directly on the Patreon website. Also, we are going to be putting up our September bonus Patreon-only episode very soon. I know people are waiting for that, so we're going to get that up very soon before the end of the month. And that is another one of the perks. And we just had a meeting about our end-of-year gift. So we have a few ideas that we're tossing around, and we're starting to get the ball moving on that because every year we do a Patreon end-of-year gift for all of our supporters. So if you are interested in that, become a Patreon supporter. Before the end of the year. And you will get that end of your gift. Make sure when you become a Patreon supporter, you put your mailing address into your account because that's really important for us to be able to send you stickers as well as the end of your gift. Yeah. Patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast is where you can go to find out all about that. Now, every episode, many times an episode, we drop the phone number which, by the way, is 657-464-7609. And, of course, we offer the opportunity for you to email a voice memo from your smartphone. Oh, or a regular old-fashioned voice uh, email to idoubtitatdollamore.com. We get a lot of love. We get a lot of supportive messages. We get a lot of questions. We get a lot of participation in the show. But we also get a lot of vitriol, a lot of venom, a lot of hatred, a lot of... Uh, disparaging nonsense. Mm -hmm. And that is where we're going to enter with a voicemail that we received a week or two ago, I think. Mm -hmm. I'm wearing my, uh, what will now, I guess, be known as my gay sweater. Well, don't give it away. (laughs) (laughs) Don't give it away. For this occasion. But I want to say, I tell you what, We'll just let's play. I've teased it enough. Let's play the voicemail, 
and then we'll talk about this Nick Fuentes Nazi supporter a- after we play the voicemail. I want to say one thing. All right. It's pretty vicious. So All right. I, I just want people to be aware that you're kind of stepping into territory that's very familiar to us. Yeah, bigot zone. That we laugh about and we think is funny, but there's some people that may listen to this and feel very protective over us, and it might like be upsetting. Yeah. <laughs> so I just, I want to warn you, because we do s- s- like have people in our life listen to this, and... If people you, get it furious, yeah, enraged. and so yeah. just be aware that we think it's funny. That's why we're playing it, and we're going to have some fun with it. I mean, it. I think this guy's an asshole, but yes. it's funny. Well, we're going to get to that, yes. Yeah. Yo, Jesse, one dollop more daily. How the hot dogs there, Chief? I'm watching uh, Ron DeSantis attacks black voters as Nazis march in Florida streets. So I'm just, it's, it's part of this I Doubt podcast. Um, got a few, few problems with you. Uh, one... Still, big question, how many hot dogs per day do you eat? I would like to get my own sort of like retard slave that I can pay in hot dogs. Do they boil them for you? Do they grill them? Or do you just take them out of the package? And about how many per day? I'm really worried about that expense. Anyway, um, I got a few critiques. First up, your uh, your little sweater, whatever that is, it's gay. Let's take it off for next episode, okay? There she. Also, I see now that there's a woman... Uh, some bitch you got on the show. Who is this? Who is this bitch? Uh, what's her name? You got her name up. One second. I'm, I'm scrolling through the video to get her name up. Doesn't say her name here. Um, Brittany Page. Fuck me, dude. Brittany, turn that bitch off. Get that bitch off the show. All right. Her voice is so annoying, and she makes you sound more annoying. Like you're feeding off of her female bitchy energy, right? And you're just getting gayer, and you're sounding more feminine, dude. All right, so I don't know what's going on. Is this taking your hot dog supply, filling it up with estrogen or something? But you're sounding way gay, way more feminine than I've ever heard you before. Okay, um, and it's not doing well. All right, I feel like I'm not alone. Thirty-seven thousand views. That's not that's not your usual numbers, dude. And she's ugly. Okay, so we're getting a lot of problems with this girl. All right, Brittany is supposed to be a hot girl name. Usually women who are named Britney are pretty hot. Britney Spears. Um, I'm sure there's other Britneys, okay? But listen, it's not not a good look. All right, we can't have you on the show with ugly bitches. How am I supposed to jerk off? (laughs) You know, like, uh, she's just too ugly. She annoys me. I don't like it. My dick is shriveling up as I'm listening to this bitch. I don't like her voice. I don't like how she makes you act. Um... Let's get rid of this bitch. All right. I'm going to watch the rest of the show. If I got any more comments, I'll give you another ring there, bud. All right. But thanks. Thanks a lot. All right. Just leaving my live critique. Uh, I'll give you a call back if I got any more thoughts. All right. Love you. Bye. There's a lot. (laughs) Do you want to start with the views? Because I think that's the thing that really. (laughs) Well, I don't remember. Really uh, Really inaccurate. Which. Well, I know in the moment, because when people look at a YouTube video, they see. They see whatever the view count is, and that's not real. That's not live. Like like my in the back end, I can see what the actual view count is. And he was like a hundred thousand views. <laughs> Maybe that is the most offensive thing here. Is that the dipshit thinks that the twenty seven thousand views? I mean, I've got almost a quarter billion views on my channel. Come on, man. Yeah, and I mean, the podcast does get fewer views on YouTube because it's different. It's not what your audience is used to. (laughs) Not that we need to defend ourselves in the views that we we get, but do you want to start or do you want me to start? Because I have a few thoughts. Let me start. He really talked more about you than he did me, but let's let's start with the... The intellectual lack of acuity that this individual has to to immediately go to one dollar more, like that's it, that's where you. I mean, I'm very shocked he didn't mention that I have red hair. Oh, I didn't even register there. There was a play on your name. Yeah, a joke about the name. Interesting, hilarious. Like, wow, how clever and witty and amazing. (laughs) It is. It is. It is funny to me that this type of jackhole. Uh, does hone in on the thing that I fucking hate the most, which is being called chief and bud. Oh, yeah. Like even in public situations or big guy, all of that, I ugh, fucking hate that. Yeah. Which now I'm giving ammunition to to dumbasses. But it is it's this type of jerk off 
who goes to, hey, all right, chief, hey, I'm doing my best Boston guy impression, or whatever yeah. stupid accent he's putting on yeah, there. Yeah, like a weak Bill Burr impression, I And think. also to call me that I have a feminine voice or a feminine energy while he talks like he's a nine-year-old boy. Like, that's, it's projection for sure. And then also, I guess, like, I don't know if it's like a homoerotic thing with the hot dogs or... <laughs> Or if he is like, it's a fat guy joke because I live with myself. I know what I look like calling me a fat guy. I call myself fat to make people uncomfortable at parties and shit all the time. Mm -hmm. That's not hurting me. Yeah. It's just a lot of bold nonsense. That mm -hmm. Really, I don't really make, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but it's I don't funny. think he's trying to make it make sense to me. <laughs> yeah. He's trying to be... Like, is his intention to, we can talk about this after you, we'll answer this question after you talk about your end of this, but is his intention to actually hurt my slash our feelings and make us like, uh, look in the mirror and be like, uh, that one dipshit doesn't like me. What will I do with my life? No, I think that definitely is the case. Um, but I guess, unfortunately for him, I'll just say there's very few benefits to being raised the way that I was raised, very rough and tumble. Yeah. And so when I recognize a benefit, I really latch on and I <laughs> savor it. And one of the benefits is that there's just very little that can be said to surprise or offend me at yeah. this point. I mean, I think that men particularly think that like really reinforcing bitch mm -hmm. and landing with a hard itch at yeah, the end, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Really putting some stank on it. Is going to be particularly offensive, but I mean, that's just like a Tuesday in the Page household, so <laughs> I'm not I'm not too worried about it. That, that was name-calling that was done to you on the way to church during <laughs> during your, your, your formative years. But also, <laughs> men seem to believe that like the worst thing you can say to a woman is that she's unattractive. Yeah, yeah. And that's certainly not the worst thing that you can say to me. I mean, it might be like that I'm not funny or something is really what's going to hurt my feelings. But even then, I'll be able to tell myself and reassure myself that, you know, you just you like are a Jeff Dunham fan or something. And I'm, I'm not for you, you know. Um, well, I think this guy, I mean, he's very focused on his shriveled, you know, insignificant penis. He wants to talk about that a lot. It's, it's all shriveled up. How am I going to jerk off with the hot dog talk? I know it's kind of I mean this is this was a first for me that someone felt the need to call in and be like get this bitch off the show I didn't jizz as soon as I saw her I mean I don't well I can't help we can't help it uh, anonymous <laughs> caller if you aren't attracted to whatever that's not our that's not our deal and also this isn't a cam show we're not here to titillate and sexually attract you <laughs> Even though it seems that's really what you're after in all, all the content you consume. Yeah. So when I really think about it, though, and I think this is kind of the, the point of the call for me, is that we can uh, search this number and look back at when this person started calling. Yeah. And it was actually January of this year. Mm -hmm. So in case you haven't kept up, we're almost to October. It's been 10 months of this person calling listening to your content, watching YouTube videos. Yeah, it's been a lot of time. Speaking directly to things that you've been talking about in those videos. And so how many hours has this guy spent thinking about you? How many hours has this guy spent thinking about me mm -hmm. and your YouTube channel and how many views you're getting and how many views you're getting on average and how this video is underperforming compared to other videos that you've put up? I mean, this guy is spending a lot of time yeah. consuming your content. And then juxtaposing that time against what state his penis is in, talking about phallic foods ad nauseum and how often I'm eating these phallic foods. Yeah, so I just I think it's I think it's sad if we want to drill down on this. Yeah. Like it's kind of sad for this person that they are spending so much time just marinating in hatred. And well, it's anger also just a sad character. Sad about his station in life, sad about his level of intelligence or lack thereof, sad that we are far more successful than he will ever ever attain. I mean, 
it's a lot of that. We should have put the new drop on the board, <laughs> which I don't think we did. And well, it, here, we'll, we'll use the old one. It has new music that won't get us banned on YouTube. I don't know what the word is. The views and opinions of Jesse Dollamore are solely those of Jesse Dollamore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. Because I'm, I'm trying to make a very different point than you're trying to make. Yeah, yeah, and so I get you it, keep I get it. you keep inserting something else into what I'm trying to say that I'm not actually trying to say. So just as long as we know that we're handling this in different ways and I'm responding in a different yeah. way than you're responding. Well, listen, it's these characters who... It always amuses me because uh, Jesse Dollimore from 10 years ago would have... Bring yourself, bring your body... And let's see you say this shit to my face. I'm beyond that. I'm I'm uh, I'm evolved now. You know what I mean? I wouldn't challenge this person to a physical fight for fear of, you know, some kind of a, uh, elongated prison sentence after I render him, you know, incapacitated and hospitalized. That was 10 years ago. That's not me now. Yeah, so I just kind of want to reiterate, I think I think about those questions about how much time this person is spending and and that's that's the way that I approach this. And this kind of goes back to the intro we had two or three episodes ago when people said how do you handle stuff like this? Because yeah, yeah. this call is not abnormal. This call is normal in terms of the hatred that we get. Yeah, oh yeah. This is stuff we hear all the time. For sure. And so it I think just reminds me that this person's in a lot of pain. And it helps me feel for that person. And I hope that this person, I don't know their name, that they find their way to something fulfilling and worthwhile and something that allows them to stop marinating in hatred and fear. But it is nice because you're being called ugly and a bitch and gay sweater, you know, all these hateful things. Mm -hmm. You have to laugh about it and so one of the things that we do is we have friends who are like hey did you get any good hateful voicemails lately <laughs> and we like to play them for our friends and this call in particular really struck a nerve with friend of the show team ian that's right and team ian picked up on some themes in the call that he felt were rather important to drill down on and so ian decided to call the voicemail line and leave a voicemail kind of in response i think he's asking some questions he wants some clarification i don't know if this is a parody of the call or just his response to the call it's some amalgamation of the two yeah Yo, Jesse, it's your friend Ian. Uh, we gotta talk, buddy. Uh, I, I, I just saw, I saw your latest video, only 37,000 views, and I gotta say, man, you're looking kind of gay, putting out some gay energy in our look. Let's start first with that sweater. It's not doing you any favors. As a, as a heterosexual man, you know what we love. We love hot women and talking about men's sartorial choices. That's just what that's just what bros do. And also, what what's the hot dog situation like going on? And I'm I'm saying hot dog because it's a funny thing and not because it uh it you know looks like anything else. But I, it's not like I enjoy the feelings of hot dogs in my mouth. It's not like, you know, I have the hot dog and I kind of let my mind drift and then I think of a world where I, I allow myself to live the life that I had never allowed and what it would be like to actually sort of be free and to, to have uh, experiences and things in my mouth like I want to have in my mouth. And then, yeah, obviously, like all dudes, like 47 minutes later, I wake up, I have no idea where I've been, and I have a huge erection. Speaking of erections, got to get this Britney bitch off the show. She is killing my boner which i gotta say when i see you bro it is massive it is pulsing because like uh because i'm thinking about chicks right that's it that's what i mean i'm thinking about chicks and i'm thinking how cool it would be 
to hang out with my bros like you, and we're like double teaming chicks, and like you're there and I'm there, and like we catch each other in the eyes, we're doing it, and then again we like, oh, no, that's not what I mean. I mean, I mean, like it just like I like I like women, but not Britney specifically, and it's making you gay. You're the one who's getting gay over Britney being there, and I am not gay. I am normal, and hot dogs are normal and good, and uh, I'll call you back. Uh, he did miss the I love you goodbye that the call the call ended with. He did, yes. <laughs> oh boy. I I do tell I wanna isolate this Britney bitch from Ian's call because that's gonna that's gonna be a drop. <laughs> Going forward. That's gonna be a drop. Yeah. yeah. So thank you very much. Team Ian. Team Ian. Friend for, of the show. Yes. Multi, multi-time guest of the show. Yes. Uh, good times. Yeah. I think a, a wonderful interpretation of this caller's voicemail. <laughs> I think he really got to the motivations and the, uh, the the heartfelt emotion behind what was going on that maybe the caller doesn't even know. So listen, caller, just last thing, last word. Sorry. I'm straight. Uh, I, I encourage you to to explore whatever you need to explore, um, but you're most certainly not getting to us. You just created an opportunity for us to make some content <laughs> with Brittany. <laughs> yes. So hopefully, hopefully you guys <laughs> enjoyed listening to this and getting a little taste of what we're talking about when we talk about the hateful messages that we get. If you too would like to call... Sound off in this manner or any other. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Dollamocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So one thing we've been talking a lot about is kind of the state of things in schools where Republicans are restricting the things that can be taught in schools, where they are seeking to ban LGBTQ books and books about the history of this country, racism. Well, I came across this story related to corporal punishment in schools in Texas. And I don't know if you knew this Jesse, but corporal punishment in schools is legal in Texas. Doesn't so. su- I did not know it, but it certainly doesn't surprising de- surprise me knowing the lay of the land in Texas. Yeah, you have to, as a parent, opt in to allowing your child to be spanked. I would use the term beaten right. at school. By a stranger. I mean, it's bad enough when it's family, but you're giving permission to another person you don't really know anything about to be laying their hands on your kid. Yeah, and each school district makes their own rules for when and how it is administered. And there was actually a proposal to ban corporal punishment during the last legislative session in Texas, and it failed. Right. (laughs) Because for people in Texas, apparently this is a priority, being able to beat the kids at school. And spanking is actually something that is quite controversial when we talk about it on the show. There's still people who are pretty dedicated to the proposition that they should be allowed to beat their kids right. <laughs> uh, and that it's an effective method of parenting when, I mean, we have decades of studies now showing that it actually increases aggressive behavior. It leads to behavioral and mental health problems down the line. It's just like training a dog. I mean, you yeah. use positive reinforcement to train a dog. You use positive reinforcement with kids yeah. in mean, parenting. It is a, a voluntary infliction of trauma on a child. Yeah, and so what happened with this case is there's actually a principal at a public high school in Texas who was arrested after he delivered corporal punishment to a child. According to Overton ISD, an incident involving corporal punishment, which includes physical discipline of a child, took place on campus on August 14th, just four days into the school year. According to an arrest affidavit, the next day, a report on the incident was made with the Rust County Sheriff's Office. On Wednesday, Principal Jeffrey Hogg was arrested on a Class A assault charge, which has left Overton residents, like recent high school graduate Sage Horn, confused. This is the last thing that I would have ever seen happen to him him being on the news for whatever the charge was like i did not see this coming i think it's 
I don't think that it's right. The recent high school graduate did tell me that at the beginning of each school year, students and parents are given a consent form on whether or not they want to opt in or opt out of corporal punishment. Every student is to have their parents sign that paper. It's like, yes, you get the pops or no, you don't get the pops. Horn says she doesn't believe Hogg was harsh on the punishment because of his relationship with students like her. He, he loves the students. Like on the announcements and every day, he'll be like, I love each and every one of you. Y'all have a great day. He'll just be like, y'all be careful and stuff like that. Like he's just an all around great person. A Facebook post from the school on August 15th on the incident says, quote, the parent remained present as a witness to the discipline and the principal asked another female teacher to serve as a witness as well. After each SWAT, the student had a choice of whether to continue. The student did consider discontinuing and serving ISS instead, but twice the parent encouraged the student to just keep going and, quote, get it over with. The message also said, quote, at no time did the parent or witnessing teacher express any concern that the SWATs were too harsh or overly aggressive. The arrest affidavit says a pediatrician determined the injuries are consistent with child abuse, which led to Hogg's arrest. I don't believe that it's true, but... Only the courts will tell. In Overton, Jose Alonso, CBS 19. Now, as of tonight, the superintendent of Overton ISD says Hogg is still employed with the district and that he could not comment for any further. This case is now in the hands of the district attorney who declined our invitation to comment. Look, we always like uh, playing local news packages. I- I'm unconvinced that this wasn't like high school news the AV department put in the, I mean, this was terrible. Mm-hmm. Yes. This was absolute dog shit, this segment. Yeah, and I chose it for a reason, and I forgot to intro how terrible it was going to be, but <laughs> it's hard to ignore. So, I yeah. mean, they talked to one student. Was this student's last name Hog? <laughs> was this the, the, the principal's daughter? <laughs> no, he's a great guy. He loves all the kids. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a, a classic bias that people have where they struggle to grapple with the person that they know and how a person has treated them with what that person has done. Yeah. I mean, we're we're kind of seeing that with Russell Brand where, you know, some people who really liked Russell Brand that these allegations of sexual assault have come out and they're kind of struggling to grapple with that. And it happens anytime there's a celebrity that's accused of sure. something terrible. But in this case, it doesn't matter what this a graduate of the high school was interviewed saying that, you know, he was really nice on the morning announcements. <laughs> um, well, listen, when he wasn't beating us with his his paddle or whatever implement he used, right. he was really nice when he wasn't beating kids and leaving marks so bad that a pediatrician ruled it consistent with child abuse. Yeah, and so that's what happened is this student was interviewed at the Child Advocacy Center a statewide organization that supports victims of child abuse was examined by a nurse. They took photographs of the injuries. It included uh, the injuries included substantial bruising and swelling. Right. And those injuries lasted for longer than 24 hours, which indicates child abuse. Yeah. Like if you call and you make a child abuse report, that's one of the questions that they will ask if there were lingering marks that have been there. Mm-hmm. And so this is consistent with child abuse. And they said something in the report about neither the parent nor the child complained in the moment. And then they described a situation where the child was clear, clearly complaining and had to be encouraged to continue. Right, right. And By two authority figures, a parent right. and the principal. And that is apparently because the the first SWAT was tolerable and the second SWAT was much harder, according mm-hmm. to the student who was, who He's was being beaten. getting a thrill out of it, getting more aggressive with it, really getting into it. Yeah, or losing control. I mean, yeah. that's part of why you don't do this. I mean, I just, it, it's 2023. What are we doing here? Uh, listen, I, I do want to address again the the... the the, the voluminous evidence and research, ongoing um, studies uh, that point to, that indicate, that clear the matter up, that beating your kid, spanking your kid is abusive. It doesn't have e- efficacy the way you think it does. What it does do is harm, sometimes permanently, whether that be psych- the psyche of or physically, a child. It doesn't have the intended result that many people think it does. Yeah, yeah. Science has settled it. Psychology has done the work. Mm-hmm. The, the ruling's in. 
Well, and it's also just remarkable that you will be arrested, charged with battery, assault, if you physically fight an adult, but yeah. like <laughs> in some circles, it is still socially sanctioned to hit a child and yeah. that that is somehow acceptable. And if I grab somebody by their collar roughly, I can go to jail. Yeah. It, Imagine can... <laughs> sma- hitting someone with a with an implement, with a with a with a belt or with a whatever. I mean, we they my parents used Hot Wheels tracks. My stepdad carved a wooden paddle and put like Ham's beer stickers on it. He wrote the equalizer on it. I mean, it's it's child abuse. Yeah, absolutely. without a doubt. So yeah. we're we're gonna follow the story and see where this develops. So far, it is uh, pretty egregious to me that this principal has not been arrested or has been arrested but not been charged. I don't even know how that works. Yeah, but the, you know, this is Texas, so. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, we love your thoughts. Uh, both positive and negative. Both We want to hear from, uh, dissent as well. Six, Any five, comments seven. about Jesse's sweater? You know, whatever you got. <laughs> whatever you got. All right, Chief. 657-464-7609. <laughs> of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. So we have the looming government shutdown. Ugh. There is... Apparently, no possible deal, they're saying, on the news. The the funding ends on the 30th. That's right. So basically, what the goal has been is to pass a continuing resolution, which is temporary funding. And that, that just would, funds the government at the same, at current levels. Yeah. Yes. And so, funding is going to expire on the 30th, and... Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy was apparently at work at work all weekend, based on reporting from from local news like uh, NBC News, local news, national news. Just a, he's an ineffectual goober. Just has no ability whatsoever to lead his own party. Um, not to mention the entire House. Yeah, so he's he's working on trying to get some sort of deal, but the radical right-wing faction of the party is opposing any kind of stopgap measure to fund the government by Sunday. They think that a shutdown is is the thing that that they need in order to force spending cuts in Congress. That's kind of what they're strong-arming. And they're also threatening Kevin McCarthy's position as speaker if he even attempts to work with Democrats. And so Kevin McCarthy has really put himself in a terrible spot where he can't make a deal with these people. And they're also threatening any kind of deal that he could attempt to make, like with Democrats, because if he does that, then he is putting his position at risk. And... This is really serious because if the government shuts down, you're talking about millions of federal employees that are going to have to continue to work without pay. Mm -hmm. You're talking about active military. You're talking about federal cops. You're talking about TSA agents. You're talking about air traffic controllers, uh, food safety inspectors. It's going to endanger disaster response, delay infrastructure projects, delay training for newly hired air traffic right. controllers uh, where there's a substantial shortage right now and they're very needed. Preschools could temporarily shut down. I mean, there's so many terrible things that could happen across the country. I think when you hear that there's a looming shutdown, that we're so used to this, it happens every few months that it just kind of, oh, okay, yeah. They're struggling to fund the government again. Here we go. Another looming shutdown. But it's very serious if this happens. And I have been, to juxtapose the previous clip, heartened to see the media actually tackle this with the seriousness that it deserves and to call out Republicans specifically for their role in causing it. You know, we're in this position, basically, because there is a group of roughly five to ten conservative Republicans who just will not pass a continuing resolution. And as a result, they are then holding hostage every other piece of legislation uh, that the Congress is trying to get over the finish line, including this defense appropriations bill, the spending bill to fund the Department of Defense, which is loaded with conservative, uh, almost culture war issues that really have no hope of passing the Senate. It's a very conservative bill, but because they're concerned about the other spending bills, these House conservatives have basically paralyzed all the work in the House of Representatives. Here's what a smattering of of them said today about the reason that they're holding everything up. They can't count. That's what it means. As I said, we are... um 
completely dysfunctional. And folks are going to have to start realizing that in our conference, and they're going to have to take this stuff serious because they're they're obviously not. And um, there's been promises made and promises that weren't kept, and there's some people upset about it. Until they're able to meet my red lines, they're not going to have my vote. Um, so, and as far as CR, we had an over two-hour meeting, and what I heard in the meeting is there were seven or eight people that were a no on it, and so I, it's to me, it's dead in the water unless they change something. So to put this in plain English, Kristen, in order to move the continuing resolution, which would keep the government open past September 30th, but only for a short period of time, Kevin McCarthy needs to come up with a bill that 218 Republicans will vote for because he's not going to get any Democratic bill for the type of bill Republicans would support. At this point, he does not have those votes. And as a result, nothing is happening. So without a doubt, it is an apt comparison to to compare Kevin McCarthy to Neville Chamberlain. I mean, he he appeased these radicals, and then they are they're riding roughshod over him. Mm-hmm. Nothing is getting done. He made promises to them. They made promises to him in return, and now they're reneging on those promises. I mean, they at one point they were saying, "If you allow us to move forward with impeaching Joe Biden." We'll work together to get uh, the government funded, and then they turned against that. They're just they're liars and radicals who are even working against their own political best interest because overwhelmingly the American people don't want a government shutdown, and overwhelmingly the American people know, even Republicans know through polling, we know this that it's going to be the Republicans' fault. It, no one's blaming the Democrats if the if the government shuts down. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah, well, and that was actually something useful that we heard from Hakeem Jeffries, who kind of gave a, a history lesson, I guess you could say, on government shutdowns and who actually typically is to blame. 2018 into 19, same thing. They shut the government down for 35 days. By the way, when the government shutdown began, Donald Trump was president Republicans controlled the House and the Senate in December of 2018. They shut themselves down. That's how much it's in their DNA. That time, what was the extreme ransom note? We want you to waste billions of dollars of taxpayer money to fund Trump's ineffective medieval border wall. Once again, we held firm, refused to pay their ransom note. And we were able to get the government reopened. Why are we going down this road again? We know how it's going to end. We're not paying a ransom note so you can jam your extreme ideology down the throats of the American people and hurt everyday Americans. We never have and we never will. You know, one of the the aspects of this is a lot of people will say, you'll hear a lot of people say who are like, mitigating the damage done from a government shutdown. They'll say, well, they, they, they're they going to work without pay, but they're going to get back pay. They're going to get all that money back. Let's keep in mind, you know, especially from Republicans who want to whine and complain about the economy right now, that still it is only a fraction of the country that can withstand an emergency $400 unexpected charge without having to make arrangements. Mm-hmm. People live paycheck to paycheck. Most people live paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. This will absolutely do harm to families, to Americans, and Republicans. Not only do they not care, they're engineering that harm and that financial trauma on families, on Americans. Yeah, I heard somewhere someone make a claim that, oh, they're considering it like a vacation. (laughs) Come on. No, they're not. Yeah, no, they're not. Don't try to spin this as a vacation because, just as you said... I think the latest poll showed like 40% of Americans can't handle a $400 expense without charging a credit card, without going into their savings, yeah. without asking someone for money. And so, yeah, this is not a quote-unquote vacation. This is something that is going to have serious impact on it, a lot of people. It's not like just working for the government makes you a rich person. I mean, right. th- these are these are normal people with a normal job that just happens to be for the federal government who don't make astronomical money. Yeah. I mean... It, this is an engineered trauma on working people. Republicans are responsible and they're not getting their shit together to make it right. Well, you know what? There is a bipartisan effort to challenge in Congress. What's it, that? Is there something? There is something. 
It is the recent change to the dress code. Oh yeah. Yes, this has everyone up in arms, and finally, Republicans and Democrats are coming together to say no. We will not allow shorts and sweatshirts on the floor of the the Senate. Wolf, today, Democratic Senator John Fennerman gave us a jarring image. He presided over the Senate wearing a short sleeve shirt and shorts, which Republican Senator Rick Scott told me he thought was inappropriate. Tonight, a Senate known for its buttoned up image is in an uproar over this change. He's six foot eight, weighs about 270, and walks around the Senate halls with a hoodie and shorts on. And he isn't a tourist. Democratic Senator John Fetterman of Pennsylvania, whose choice of attire has forced him to vote from the doorways rather than on the Senate floor under the Senate's previous unwritten dress code, today was seen proudly wearing those casuals while presiding over the Senate. The senator from Texas. Now that Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has relaxed the dress code. Almost every Republican senator has signed a letter spearheaded by Florida Senator Rick Scott calling on Schumer to keep enforcing the code. This has got to change back. We've got to have decorum. We've got to, um, we've got to dress the way the American public would expect their U.S. senators to dress. Republican Senator Chuck Grassley saying it stinks. Senator John Kennedy saying, I don't like it. And Republican Senator Susan Collins joking, quote, I plan to wear a bikini tomorrow to the Senate floor. Some Democrats seem reluctant to criticize the change. Do you think it should be changed? I just think there's a whole lot more important things for us to worry about. So I'm fine, you know, as long as people cover all the private parts. I think you can have respect for the institution without a formal dress code, so long as individual members uh, take personal responsibility for upholding the court. But Republicans are pressing, even on the House side. Well, you're going to change all the Senate rules simply so someone could wear gym clothes onto the floor? I mean, that's embarrassing. Fetterman today firing back, saying, quote, if those jagovs in the House stop trying to shut our government down and fully support Ukraine, then I will save democracy by wearing a suit on the Senate floor next week. And telling MSNBC on Monday. The right have been like losing their mind, you know, they're just like, oh, my God, aren't there more important things we should be talking about rather than if, if I dress like a slob? Yeah, I'm I'm torn on this. I mean, I can tell you unequivocally, I can tell you I don't think he should be wearing what he wears all the time on the Senate floor. But having said that, is it the most important thing right now? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We have members of the United States Senate who are in support of the incitement of an insurrection against the country, who want to end democracy in the United States of America, and yet those same dipshits want to say, oh, what about decorum? Oh, good Lord, I got the vapors. I cannot handle it. Oh, he's going to wear shorts? Mm-hmm. What do you think is more important? Democratic rule or shorts and a, and a, and a dirty hoodie being worn by a guy who's going to vote on the Senate floor? D- do I wish he would wear a suit? Yeah. I think it denotes some kind of respect for the institution, for the importance of the work that they do there. If he chooses not to, I don't think it's a, a mark against his character. He just, he wants to do what he wants to do. Yeah. The, the part of it that does bother me is that the rule, uh, laxening, making lax the rules about uh, dress code, only apply to him. Senate staffers still have to wear shirt and tie and jacket. Mm. So it's a little off kilter there that the, the working class individuals of the Senate, if there is such a thing, I mean, there is. I mean, people don't make a lot of money working for the Senate. Uh, employees, they have to abide by a, a, a greater dress code than the sitting member of the Senate does. Yeah. So let me, I know people are going to be pissed that this is what my opinion is. I will restate it plainly. Do I wish you would wear? Yes. Is it more important than all of the host of other things? No, not at all. Those things uh, take precedence and they should be addressed. Yeah, well, and I, I did see someone say that their issue with the dress code being more relaxed is that then you'll have people like Ted Cruz trying to cosplay as every man and wearing like camo. Wearing his Bass Pro Shop hat and yeah, shit. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. then you're, you're going to have them kind of cosplaying what they pretend to be, you know, like when he grabbed the beer and... Had his first beer right. live on Fox News, and well, let's let's do this. Let's let's keep in mind the people who criticized it, and then also keep in mind the people who utilized the new rules to do whatever they want to do. Yeah, well, and I know in that news clip they. 
focused primarily on Republicans, but Democrat Senator Joe Manchin, who we talk about a lot on the show, (laughs) said that he is going to issue a resolution to reinstate the dress code because it's particularly upsetting for him. Mm. And I just... Fuck you, poor kids. We got to deal with this hoodie situation. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I wish that he would get just as upset about child poverty (laughs) as he does about what John Fetterman decides to wear on the Senate floor. But that kind of goes back to this whole government shutdown and what the Republicans are focused on. And they want to reduce spending. They want to cut spending. And whenever they start talking about that, it's never about, you know, the tax cuts for rich people. They don't want to rein that in. They want to... They want to cut things like WIC, the program that feeds hungry mothers and children. Yeah. And there is new attempts to cut WIC. It was it was increased when during the pandemic to give uh, women, children, families more food to buy necessities. And now the Republicans are seeking to cut those pandemic benefits back to basically where they were pre-pandemic. That's one of their goals in cutting spending. And in this PBS clip that I, I found, Nell Menifee Leiby was interviewed and she works in public policy and dealing with WIC and she had some important takes. Now, this clip is going to start with Republican Andy Harris during a congressional debate on funding, talking specifically about how it's a priority to cut WIC. We must work to right size programs, especially since the pandemic is over and President Biden has ended the public health emergency last month. And this is why we're returning the WIC cash value voucher benefits to a normal, sustainable, inflation-adjusted funding level. What's your response to that? Uh, The WIC benefit is pretty modest. It's not intended to supply a family's entire grocery budget for the month. And even at those inflated levels or or adjusted up levels, the fruit and vegetable benefit only supplies half of what's recommended for consumption per month. Uh, We have seen important payoffs in the nutrition outcomes as a result of those higher issuance levels. We've seen a quarter cup increase in consumption of fruits and vegetables (laughs) per day among WIC enrolled toddlers. You're a new mom, you know how hard it is to get kiddos to eat their fruits and vegetables, so that's a big deal. I think that these are important gains in public health. It's a a worthwhile investment in our nation's children, and I think the idea that these are are pandemic programs that need to be right-sized is overlooking that these are recommendations stemming from an independent panel that met in 2017 to talk about how to make the most of WIC's benefit. Now, a lot of your job these days is spent talking to lawmakers, uh, telling them about this program. What are you hearing from them? Uh, We are fortunate that WIC is a program that has enjoyed long-standing bipartisan support in Congress. There has been an agreement for nearly 30 years to provide the program with the resources necessary to serve every eligible individual who walks in the door and asks to receive WIC services. But the proposals that are currently being considered by Congress do not provide resources necessary to serve the projected nearly 7 million participants who we expect will participate in the program in 2024. Now, if WIC funding does get cut in any way or not expanded to the levels that President Biden is now requesting, how is that going to affect the state agencies that administer these funds? Yeah, unfortunately, state agencies would be in the position of having to turn away folks who would otherwise be eligible to receive WIC services. Uh, The first participants who we would see fall off of the program would be uh, non-breastfeeding new moms in the middle of a national maternal health crisis and older children who are getting ready to start kindergarten who we want to make sure are in the best possible position to be doing that. Uh, WIC hasn't had to send families to wait lists since 1997 and the gains in participation that we've seen in the last couple of years are really hard one. That is the result of good work being done on the state and local level to keep more families engaged with the program. And we don't want to see folks turn away from the program because we know that once they fall off, it's really hard to get them back. Congress needs to sustain these investments so that WIC is reaching all of the families who who would benefit from its vital nutrition services. Now, let's say this, though. I think this needs... We would be remiss if we didn't mention this, that Republicans often talk about how they would like food stamps, SNAP benefits to work. People bitch about eating steaks and seafood and whatever else that people can buy with their food stamp benefits. WIC is that. WIC is the way they want food stamps to work. You can only buy certain products 
whole grains. This isn't an indefinite program. This is women, infants, and children only up through just past toddler age, I think. It's, it's not like you're 16 and you're on WIC. This is early childhood development stuff. And again, the research bears this out. We have wildly better income, uh, outcomes for children who were recipients of WIC benefits. We just, we do. So when they say that, well, let me make this about the, the abortion debate. That no, we should just want the states to be able to make the rules. We're not going to come after this from a federal standpoint. And then what do they do? They immediately try to make it federal. No, 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 no. We're not going after contraception. What do they do? They immediately go after contraception. It's the same thing with this program. No, 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 no. WIC is great. It's, we love it because it's it's what we want the food stamp pro- program to be more like. And then as soon as they get an opportunity, now let's slash it. We don't want that. They're just ghouls. That's all it is. Yeah. And I, I did a video in depth on my channel about WIC and how it is very, very limited. Yeah, great. Very, very good video. A bunch of important information. Yeah, and what you say is true. I mean, it is very limited. Whole grains, beans, peanut butter, milk. You can only get the milk. Everyone's going to get upset. You can only... You grew up in Idaho. That's yeah. how they say it. Milk. <laughs> you can only get very specific foods. Because as as Nell was talking about there, it is designed to be a nutrition program. Yes. And so you brought up the abortion issue. You you were tying it to abortion. In fact, in the clip, you heard it tied back to maternal health care in this country as yeah. well. And we've started to talk about campaign ads and what is effective as a campaign ad, what is less effective as a campaign ad. And right now, Andy Brashear, the governor of Kentucky, mm-hmm. is, is running Democrat. for re-election. And he's running against a radical Republican who up until I think this ad ran (laughs) he was against any restrictions on abortion he did not support any exceptions for abortion including rape and incest and I think after seeing this ad you will agree that this is the kind of ad that is very very effective I was raped by my stepfather after years of sexual abuse. I was 12. Anyone who believes there should be no exceptions for rape and incest could never understand what it's like to stand in my shoes. This is to you, Daniel Cameron. To tell a 12-year-old girl she must have the baby of her stepfather who raped her is unthinkable. I'm speaking out because women and girls need to have options. Daniel Cameron would give us none. So it is, again, terrible that girls, women have to trot out their trauma in order to get people to listen. But In essence, reliving that trauma over and over and over. I mean, every time that ad is played, but it's done in service to the greater good here. Right. Because recently, Daniel Cameron, the Republican running against Andy Brashear, said that he is softening his position on on these restrictions and no one should believe that. Yeah. I mean no one should take that seriously when you hear a Republican suddenly say, "Oh, okay, you're right. I I don't support these restrictions because how long has he been aware of the fact that kids are raped?" Yeah. I mean, he he's aware of that. Right. It's not new information for sure. Yeah. And so what is it that had you changing your mind? Because it's not the new information. Yeah. It's not your understanding of that information. You knew. Well, I, I would I would say this, that even if it was plausible, it's not. But even if it's plausible, again, it's not. Even if it was, all it means he's not qualified to be governor because he hasn't taken the full width and breadth of information in and scenarios in before making policy decisions. He is... As radical as it gets, not just on this issue, but many others. And Kentucky is a state that needs Democratic individuals in leadership because it's a it's a it's on the brink. It's a precipice state relative to going red all the way. You know, Ohio used to be a swing state, and now it's just Magaland. Jim Jordan and J.D. Vance and the rest of these idiots. Kentucky is um, a state where the fight, there's still a fight there, and we need to make sure that Andy Brashear gets uh, gets reelected. Yeah, and this Republican, Daniel Cameron, he's the state's attorney general. He's been on record saying that he supported the current Kentucky law, which does not have any yeah. any exceptions except for when it is going to save the, the pregnant woman's life. 
uh, or prevent a disabling injury, which, of course, as we've seen, these exceptions mean very little because doctors are still afraid to act and they do not act sometimes. Yeah, and for fear of prosecution right. or or whatever other penalty the government can i mean listen if you if you're if you're a physician in kentucky or one of these other states and something happens that finds you out of compliance with the law you could lose your medical license at the very least but you might lose your freedom on the other end of that right and they know it's like we talked about with melissa fowler um with that with the, the last episode with the national abortion federation that these laws are are they're written this way uh, on purpose. Mm-hmm. It is by design. It is engineered to be vague. Yep. It's engineered to leave people in doubt so they th- so inaction causes someone to not get that that uh, necessary medical procedure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh anyway, we'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to i doubt it at dollamore.com and we would really love to hear from you if you live in the state or, excuse me, the Commonwealth <laughs> of Kentucky. All right. Moving on. Taking care of biz. John Fetterman. Ah, he's back. I know. We just <laughs> talked about him. And we've talked about him before in Taking Care of Biz because he's been very open about his journey with depression and his struggles with depression. And that was very inspiring to me, I think, to other people that he's been so open about it. And one thing that I really admire about John Fetterman is his ability to be human. I think we don't often see that in public figures I think as a society, we kind of encourage people to hide that aspect. If you're going to get emotional, you're supposed to kind of push it down. Yeah, nonsense. He really leans into it in a way that is very powerful. And there was a recent example of this at the Senate Special Committee on Aging, where he was specifically talking about struggles that people with disabilities face and how important it is to increase accessibility to technology because that's particularly beneficial for him and i i thought this was a really profound moment thank you for coming and for me uh it's been a very personal issue with me and i'm going to show this uh and then i'm going to describe this to others uh others this is my iphone and this is a transcription service that allows me to fully participate in this meeting and conversations with my children and interacting with my my staff. You know, I had a stroke about 18 months ago, you know, and I have lost my ability to fully process language. And I like to think I was an empathetic person, truly. But until that happened, um, it... I've raised to a whole different kind of level as well. And it's profound to know now that I never really considered that without this kind of technology, I couldn't watch television. And I can't imagine if I didn't have this kind of a bridge to allow me to, con- to communicate with, with other people f- effectively. And, you know, because I live in a political environment, I was ridiculed and made fun of because I wasn't able to process things sometimes or say things. things. So I'm so sorry that I'm sure many of you had to go through this kind of thing. You know, I was lucky that I was I was uh, lucky enough to go through my life. The vast majority of that with that, this kind of disability that I have. But um, but. Again, I can't imagine and how the, the challenges and I and I admire you know everyone that has to kind of live with these kind of struggles and and, and prevail over them. And the, the questions that I have is uh, is really more of a uh, an open ended kind of question to everyone on the on the, the panel. You know, you know how uh, can we become more empathetic, more responsive, and more effective senators to provide the kind of support and services that you anyone in these communities deserve. Uh, to be a, a, a citizen here in uh, our nation. Mr. Westbrook. Yeah, um, I think it just takes political will and, you know, the, the will to, to become accessible. Um, it takes making it a priority um, and just 
you know, deciding that it's going to be a priority, like Ronza was saying earlier, and on the same level as security and privacy and all that kind of stuff, um, accessibility just needs to be another part of doing business, as I mentioned in my testimony this morning. Um, you know, we wouldn't think about building a building without putting in a, a, a ramp, you know, to get into the building now. But now we need to think about building websites and digital technologies to make them more accessible. Thank you. So I, I want to say first that John Fetterman sounds great. Very. It's, it's an amazing transformation from those initial like hit that debate performance that ended up being making all the news and mm-hmm. was pretty generally considered a, a disaster for him. Mm-hmm. He still won his election. Mm-hmm. I think the people of Pennsylvania understood what was at play here, mm-hmm. but he for sure is, is he's on the mint. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like his recovery is going very well, but this really, I mean, gets to what we talk about a lot and who we want in positions of power in this country. And I think it's important to have more people who not only have lived experiences in struggle, whatever that might be, but the ability to access your empathy mm-hmm. and compassion and to be unafraid, to be open about being emotional. Those are qualities that are very important that we should prop up in other people and that we should seek out in people that we, we give power to. He's absolutely demonstrating what real courage is. Yes. Courage is not just putting on a brave face and being fake. He's being real. Yes. He's facing down real problems, real difficulties, real trials and tribulations with with grace and with courage. And we need more. We need more John Fetterman's. We really do. Yeah. So look out for those people that are just kind of like political operators who are very robotic and... I mean, it's important to take into consideration their values and their their policies that they support as well. But I think it's important to have people that are human beings yeah. as well in positions of power and beware of who you reward with power. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We need to be more aware of that. <laughs> so good for you, John Fetterman. We, uh, we appreciate you taking care of biz without a doubt. Uh, we'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo right from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. If you work for John Fetterman or you're John Fetterman watching this, we want you on the show. We have a studio and, in D.C. And you can wear a hoodie. You can wear whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I would say no to is if you got a hold of one of Susan Collins's bikinis, oh. you can't wear that. Yeah. At the very least, they'd be way too small because he's a giant. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, we're going to leave you there. We love you guys. We appreciate you. Again, we want to remind you that we are a listener, a largely li- listener-supported program. If you want to help support the work we do, we'd love to invite you. Go to patreon.com slash Podcast, and that is where you can pick your tiers, see what's involved, and help support and produce what we do here. We will see you next time on episode 887. For now, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt.